Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. I just want to stay in the sun where I'm fine. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Thursday, yes. Inching ever closer to uh, AFC NFC Championship weekend. Can't wait. Sunday. Park myself on the couch. How good is that going to be? You going to do that? You haven't. You haven't had a Sunday. Just well, did you do it last Sunday? Did you just park on the couch and watch football over the weekend? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, good for you. All day Saturday. So. Good for you. Good for you. How yeah. you doing? I'm doing. How's your birthday dinner? My birthday dinner was tremendous. Just housed a bunch of tacos <laughs> with the grandkids. <laughs> My grandson made a. Uh, Mud course on his little, uh, you know, his little high chair table uh, out of beans with his, his, he really likes uh, the cars, the movie cars. So Lightning McQueen and Doc. And so he had like a whole, he's just running his cars through beans. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a mess. It was great. Sometimes when you look at kids doing that, isn't there a part of you go, oh, man. That looks fun. Yeah, look at it. I like to do that. I like to play with my food. Yeah, it just has no. Not interested in eating the beans. But so just want to drive really Lightning McQueen through them. See, drive Lightning McQueen through the the, the mud the mud hole. So yesterday morning, late in the show, we were uh, looking ahead to the Nuggets Bucks game mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, enthusiasm. Sure, Jokic, Giannis, yeah, showdown. Showdown. It's gonna be great. Two top, sure. two in my opinion, the two best players in the NBA squaring off. And then I looked at the the line. I just happened to look at the line for the game, and it was Bucks minus eight. And I said to you, "Doesn't that, make any sense." That's weird. Yeah, that's fishy. And come to find out, the Nuggets sat four starters: Jokic, Murray, MPJ, and Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope. Sent out the B squad mm-hmm. and uh, predictably lost 107.99. Mark, <laughs> the Nuggets have become what we despise most about today's N- NBA. They are now a pick your loss load management team. They're following suit. Yep. Is it smart? You, you got the number one record, right? It is smart. In the West? That's the thing about it. I hate it. I hate when teams do it. And no longer can we mock players who come in here and, and sit on the second of a, a back-to-back or the first of a back-to-back. No longer can we mock LeBron James for tapping out here because we've become that now. When you sit Nikola Jokic in a high-profile matchup against Giannis, if I'm doing talk radio in Milwaukee this morning, first of all, soft. First of all, what happened to me? Secondly, mm-hmm. it would be wow, Nikola Jokic. Wow, what a wuss! Tapped out. Tapped out. Too scared. Too scared to go up against Giannis. That, that that's what you'd be saying, and you'd be justified in saying that because those are the same things that we've been saying here for years. But now we've become that. To your question, yeah, it is smart. It is smart. It, it It's such a long season. It's such a long grind. I even understand why they chose the Milwaukee game as the one to sit out 
all the guys because their rationale was probably New Orleans is a conference game. Mm-hmm. Sure. And of course. it's it's probably the more important game because it's a conference game. So sure. we'll choose to, to play that one straight, and then we'll mail it in for the Milwaukee game. What's the, it, it was... It was more physical back in the day. It was tougher back in the day. Nobody sat. There, there was no load management. So what's changed? Why, why do we have to? Why is this the way it's become? Soft. It is soft. It is but, soft. But why? Why? Because, well, it, it started, this all started, Greg Popovich is to blame. Because those great Spurs teams who had... Veteran players, older players who just knew that every year they're going to be playing into June. They just looked at it and said, we have to pick our spots during the course of a long season just to keep these guys fresh for the playoffs. So they would come into Denver on a second of a back-to-back, and Popovich would, would sit Tim Duncan or Mano Ginobili or Tony mm-hmm. Parker, and that was the idea behind it. But then... It got out of control, and and now it was all of a sudden teams that don't even have a chance of going to the NBA Finals or haven't been to the NBA Finals or haven't gone through the the long, long grind. They're just choosing to rest their players, and it's a problem. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has admitted it's it's an issue because you have, whether it be fans who pay a lot of money for tickets, TV partners who spend a lot of money for TV rights, and... You get these these games where you're promoting star players and and they're sitting over there in street clothes. Yeah, one of the things you're going to have to do, and this will be interesting to see how this happens, whenever their next collective bargaining agreement is up, or their television, not collective bargaining, but their television agreement is up. Yeah. Because what ends up happening, I'll tell you what ends up happening on the, on the television side. So let's say you're ESPN, for instance, and you have, um, you have a, a contract with the NBA, right? You promise your advertisers a certain rating, so you say, "Hey, man, we we guarantee we guarantee a a two share or whatever." And then all of a sudden, they've got a marquee game on a Saturday that's going to be nationally televised, and three stars set out. So now all of a sudden, they can't get that two rating because people tune out. So now they've got a one point six rating or whatever it is, a one point four rating, and what ends up happening is they have to do a bunch of make good commercials. So they have to give their advertisers a bunch of free commercials. Eventually, what's going to happen is they're going to say, if we don't meet our ratings in those situations because you guys choose to do load management, then that that is going to come out of your television contract. Ultimately, the biggest takeaway from the Nuggets doing what they did last night is it, it is a good sign because it means they have now arrived as a team. They, that expects to be playing into late May in June. And when you got a guy like Nikola Jokic, who carries such a burden and plays uh, so many heavy minutes and will be counted on and playing exceptionally heavy, hard minutes in the playoffs. All right. So then you, then right. you do this stuff. And so, so it, it, it's a sign of, of how the Nuggets view themselves. Yeah. Which so, is actually a good thing. Right. So they have expectations. That means you should have expectations. That means there's expectations on the organization, which means if you don't make the NBA Finals, in that there are consequences. Yes, right, there has to be consequences. The, because, the Nuggets are because this has gone on. This is not making the playoffs, and this is not even making the Western Conference Finals. This is this is a this is this kind of movement is NBA Finals or bust. Feels like it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. 
Western NBA Finals are bust for a team that hasn't been past the second round since the asterisk-filled bubble. Boy, to say NBA Finals are I will I will concede Western Conference Finals. Are you the number one? Are you right now the number one seed in the West? I haven't checked. It's them in Memphis. I think they are, yeah. I think they are, too. And you're the number one seed in the West. And, oh, by the way... Um, yeah, they are. You're going big-time matchups against you know the, the one of the best teams in the East, and you sit your whole starting roster? That You're thinking of the long haul. Yeah, you're thinking of the long haul, and, and you're, you're, sending out a, you're sending out a message. Uh, yeah, if, you're, if you're Milwaukee and you're a huge... Uh, you, you, like you're a fan of Milwaukee, and you're a huge basketball fan, or maybe you're a Nuggets fan. You're a trans, whatever, and and you come in and they don't play any of their they they drop four starters on you in Milwaukee, dude. I that that would irritate me. Yeah, it stinks if you're a Milwaukee fan, but we'll probably see. Uh, turnabout is fair play. Let me see if I, yeah, because. Yeah, they come in here on March 25th, a Saturday, the night before they play in Utah. Yeah. So they'll be on a back-to-back. On a Saturday, that has all the makings of a, a, a nationally televised game on one of these networks. So far, it's not scheduled. Okay, it's not. But, yeah. I'll tell you what. Nice that. job, nice job, schedule makers, by the way. Uh, you've got Giannis and Jokic, and both Denver-Milwaukee games are both back to backs for that team for the for the road team. Yeah. Nicely done. Very smart. Up next, the best of our guy Joel Klatt coming up next. Buddy Rocks. Schlereth and Evans on Denver's Sports Station 1043 The Fan. You great 6 a.m. listeners, we make sure you get a chance to hear the best of our buddy Joel Klatt, who's on each and every week. Why should the 8 a.m. listeners have all the fun? We uh, began by asking Joel, hey, what do you make of this uh, chaotic Broncos coaching search? Well, it's it certainly hasn't uh, lacked for interest. Um, although, I got to tell you, I, I having been through this, gosh, it seems like every year we're in the same boat now as Bronco fans. And I will tell you that, that this one feels, I don't know what the word is. Is thorough the right word? Um, whereas some of the others have, have felt hasty and, and like the, the goal was to be done with the search or be first rather than be good or great. And, 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 and in my estimation, like, you know, you should always never evaluate these things until they come to a conclusion. But it does seem like this has been pretty thorough. And I guess it's it's a lot better than running out there in the course of four days and getting a guy that didn't even call his own plays but was an offensive coordinator. And, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I'm trying to be optimistic. But, yeah, this has been certainly interesting. One of the top candidates here, at least, that's being reported is David Shaw from Stanford mm-hmm. who stepped away from Stanford. And I don't know how many Stanford games you've done. I, I mean, you, you're usually in, in, you know, the, the rust belt of the country calling games for college football. But, um, what do you know about David Shaw and what can you kind of, what kind of information can you lend us towards him if he is in fact the number one choice? So I know, I know him well, I've worked, uh, draft with him, covered him pretty extensively, 
in, in particular before we kind of got into the, the Big Ten a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think David is incredibly bright, and, and he is a guy that has had his opportunities to go to the National Football League, um, gosh, several times prior and, and turn them all down. And, and the reason being is that he had a really good thing going at Stanford. Um, one, it wasn't necessarily the highest pressure job in the country. Uh, number two, the quality of player and, and person that he was working with, he really appreciated. Um, and then also the stage of life he was at with his family uh, kept him at Stanford for probably longer than, than what he would have been, um, all things being considered. He loved the fact that he lived close enough where his girls, his daughters could get on their bike and ride down to the football facility. Felt like it was a really safe environment. And, and, and just everything about the way his life was going led him to stay at Stanford. So the fact that he hadn't made this move yet doesn't mean that there wasn't interest. Almost every single year under the current, um, there was interest in David Shaw going to the National Football League. Now, I would say college football kind of pushed him uh, to the point where he wants to go to the National Football League because Stanford is not going to play in the new modern game of college football. They they just aren't. They're going to be passed by. They're not going to be very, very competitive moving forward. And in large part due to the fact that their their school, their program, is is basically saying, like, we understand what's going on out there as far as transfers and NIL, and we're just not going to play. It's going to be too difficult for us to play in that role, um, in particular with transfers. We don't want to get in, involved in, in everything else that's going on. The support at Stanford, while immense from a financial standpoint, isn't necessarily there from a fervency or a, a fan base standpoint. And so at this point, he, he wants to move on. All of this to just give you some background as, as to, to say why is he available now and hasn't been available prior. Well, it's been his decision, and it hasn't been lack of interest from the National Football League. He's a, a very bright coach. Everybody that's played for him has has enjoyed playing for him and, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways gotten better. I would be concerned at their lack of success over the last couple of years. You know, it, it was a bit of a, a downturn. He took a program that had a very clear identity. They used to coin it intellectual brutality with the extra tight ends and the and the solid running game. And he turned them into a finesse team. Um, I, maybe it was by necessity and, and the fact that it's very difficult to continue to recruit the level of linemen that you need to be dominant at the line of scrimmage in college football, uh, but that would be a concern of mine. 14 and 28 his last four years at Stanford. Visiting with uh, Joel Clapp, presented by Audi Flatirons. Joel, is Jim Harbaugh to the NFL completely a, a closed subject in, in your mind, or the fact that, hey, no deal has been announced or anything like that? Is the door still open or a crack? I, I don't think it is. Um and, and listen, I've been consistent on that, right? Ever since the, the start of this, when everyone, you know, said like, well, if he gets an offer, he's going. I was always skeptical about this. Um, I don't think that he's going to go to the National Football League. I still don't. And, and in particular, by the way, it becomes even harder now with all the different comments that have been made. You know, um, I think what you're seeing right now in terms of a lack of, of, extension at Michigan 
has to, it is reflective of, you know, the ridiculous <laughs> NCAA giving them notice of, of violation, which is comical, by the way. Um, they apparently had, you know, impermissible contact with a recruit during the COVID dead period. A recruit showed up unannounced. They gave him a hamburger. And that's apparently, you know, egregious in the NCAA's mind. They also have apparently an analyst that was on the field coaching when he shouldn't have been uh, coaching. It's all very comical that we live in a situation and, and in a time where, in one regard, down at Florida, they're they're losing a recruit, a four-star quarterback named Jaden Rashada. And, and they're losing him because their collective apparently promised him a $13 million NIL package that they couldn't fund, that they couldn't pay. So they had to renege on the contract, offered it to him as, as an inducement to sign with them and flip from Miami to Florida. Then they said, like, oh, man, tell him we ain't got it, bro. And he was like, um, excuse me. So now he wants out of his in LI letter of intent. And the NCAA doesn't have anything to say about that, right? <laughs> like, oh, this sounds fine to me. You know, we a 17-year-old got offered $13 million, made a life-changing decision, and now, you know, apparently was totally fraudulent. There he is, Joe Klatt, each, uh, each and every week, our uh, celebrity guest. Make sure you 6 a.m. listeners get a chance to hear some of the best of Klatt. The Morning Brew is coming up next. How does Michael Malone feel after a night in which the Nuggets scheduled a loss, and if you are a D'Amico Ryan's fan, got to love the endorsement he got yesterday. All that coming up next. It's time for your morning brew. Grab a cup of joe and get caught up on everything you need to know. Here's Schlereth and Evans. How does a coach feel after... The team, the Nuggets, schedule a loss by sitting four starters in a back-to-back in Milwaukee, including Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Well, here's what Michael Malone had to say about it. This was a game where second out of a back-to-back, a lot of guys are out. You're going to find out about your team. You know, what's the makeup of our group? Are we going to go out there and say, well, no Jamal, no Contavious Caldwell Pope, no Michael, no Nikola. You know, let's just go out here and, like, mess around and uh, that was our challenge going in no this is another opportunity for us to establish our identity who we are the goal was to give their key players a night off it was a load management night and and, and unfortunately fortunately however you want to look at it load management has now come to the denver nuggets and they are going to do what so many other teams do that we have criticized and mocked and no longer can do it anymore without looking like hypocrites no god please no is there something that you can positively take out of? Well, let me let me what ask they you. did last night. What was what'd you say the spread was? Eight and a half? It got up to ten by the time the game tipped off. So they covered the spread. That's a moral victory. They lost by eight. All right, all right, all right. So that's a big win. Nuggets win. As a team though, do you do you get anything out of it? Well, sure. I mean, you, your backups get to play. Your backups get to go against their starters. How do you compete? You know, how, how do you how do you develop? Are you ready? Like, does it make you a stronger team in the long run when you get into the playoffs and you have to count on somebody, even though your even though your bench is shortened at that time? Like, yeah, there is some there is some merit to earning, you know, and and you only really get better by playing. 
Yeah, I mean, you can practice, you can do all that stuff, but when you actually play in the games against better competition, against their starters, not just their backups, that's how you develop. So there is that part has there is some merit to what Michael Malone is saying. Next on the morning group. Anderson flips it back to Brody, got away. Nieto gets around Brody. Here's Nieto, short-handed, scores. Sharks radio. The Avalanche making a trade, trade alert. Uh oh. As they uh, bring back a former player, Matt Nieto, who spent the better part of four seasons here with the Avs before going off to San Jose the last three years. The Avalanche uh, acquire him yesterday, and I, I love these kind of moves. These are the kind of just solid bottom six type forwards, the Darren Helm, Andrew Cogliano mm-hmm. types that we know. Maybe during the course of the regular season, their value doesn't necessarily shine through. But in the playoffs where every little thing matters, guys like Nieto, they'll make a play for you that'll help win you a playoff game. What would they give up for him? Uh, they gave up a former uh, first-round pick of theirs in uh, Martin Kaut. As well as, let me give you, you want all the specifics of the deal? No, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody. I guarantee uh, I don't know. Up, no, all right, I they gave up uh, Ford Martin Cout and defenseman Jacob McDonald. They also picked up a defensive prospect in Ryan Merkley. But the centerpiece of the deal is uh, Nieto. They gave up Michael McDonald? Jacob McDonald. I, I keep forgetting not in love anymore. You don't want to lose that guy. He's a locker room hit. He keeps things. He's a glue yeah. guy. He's a glue guy. <laughs> Go ahead. Sing that one song you sang back in the day. <laughs> when you went solo after uh, after your... Uh, after the doobies. After the doobies. Go. Go. Uh, keep forgetting song. Go. Abs hosting the uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks tonight. Next on the Morning Brew, Jerry Rossberg is out. The Broncos uh, electing not to... Uh, pick up uh, Jerry Rosberg's contract. Jer Bear is mm. on the way out, but could he return? Would you like to see him return? Is there a place? Should there be a place for Jerry Rosberg? Yeah, I mean, sure. If if he fits, like, does he want to coach special teams? Does he want to be your, you know, assistant head coach like he was in Baltimore for all those years? Assistant head coach slash special teams coach, coordinator, blah, blah, blah. Um. Yeah, I mean, of course there is a, of course there's an opportunity for that. You hear this though a lot when when new staffs are coming over. There are some people from the holdover staff that fans are like, "Well, make him your special teams coach, make him your defensive coordinator, whatever." It, it, it doesn't work that way. It shouldn't work that way. You want whoever is coming in to be completely empowered to name his entire staff. That was part of the problem with Vance Joseph. Where he sure. was so hungry to get a head coaching job that John Elway said, well, how about we uh, keep this guy and keep that guy? And what was Vance going to say? Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's how uh, that's how a lot of organizations do it because they don't want to be on the hook for all that cash. Well, too bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. You should have, you should have as a coach when you get, and, and again, this comes down to, are you appointed the head coach or are you empowered to be the head coach? Because ultimately, you should get to pick your staff. Now, and understand, you're not going to get all the guys you want on your staff because a lot of those guys are either going to be under contract, they're not going to be allowed to leave, or uh, they go to other they go to other teams. And one of the things you do, you know, when you sit down in these meetings, like what you're sitting down with uh, with with the Broncos and and the powers that be over the Broncos, 
Yeah, they want to know, well, who are you going to bring in as your offensive coordinator? What system are you going to run? Who are you going to bring in as your, you know, defensive coordinator? Who are you going to bring in as your special teams coach? Are you going to call the plays? Are you and, and you got to come up with a list of names. And oftentimes, you know, you come in with a list of names and, you know, by the time you get, by the time this happens, a lot of those guys are gone. Like you can't get them. So yeah, it's a, uh, you should be able to pick the guys that you want. Next on the Morning Brew, for those of you who are rooting for the Broncos to hire D'Amico Ryans as their new coach, he got a heck of an endorsement yesterday from his head coach, Kyle Shanahan. I think it starts as a man. I mean, he's the ideal leader, whatever he does. He was that way when he came in to Houston as a rookie linebacker. I mean, he took over that defense right away. You could tell who was in charge when he was a 21-year-old. He came in here as a quality control, and within like six months, we moved to a linebacker coach, and he's just he's always been that guy. And then just watching him over these two years, um, what he took in his years learning to get there, how much better he, he runs the system, and then, and then he adjusts every week. He sees how to play an offense. He pays attention to offense and defense. You've said that over the last couple of years, you've had about five one-on-one conversations with D'Amico Ryans. Sure. Kyle's assessment match yours? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, D'Amico is dialed in. D'Amico's, he's a, like, like Kyle said, he's a really good leader. Um, he's a very personable guy. Uh, he, and he knows, like, he understands, he understands, you know, the, the weakness of the defense, he understands the way he's getting attacked and also the weakness of the offense and how to attack it. So, yeah, he's, he's, and he's coached under Kyle, who is as good as it gets, maybe the best in the business when it comes to understanding all sides of the ball. Well, since it feels like D'Amico Ryan's along with David Shaw, the co-favorites to, to get this job, let's take a deeper dive into D'Amico Ryan's things that you like, things you don't like. About the idea of him being the next head coach. That's coming up next. So, I probably ought to watch what I say here since my uh, five-strike plan against David Shaw yesterday uh, mm. got, got played during the course of the day and was put at denversports.com on the front page. So Really? You know, maybe I ought to tread, tread carefully here. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's going to be bulletin board material again. Because I want to make the same kind of case against D'Amico Ryans. You got a five-step plan? I don't want to just go strike one, strike two, strike three. It's kind of... Uh, okay, well, why do you but give... Let, let's start. Let's, let's go, go let's, count. Let's, let's go, go yes. point, counterpoint. Okay, okay right. you give the I'll negative give my, and, I'll, okay. and, I'll, and I'll, go, I'll go to the positive. Okay, here we go. First time head coach... Another first-time head coach. Well, first-time head coaches have had struggles, but if you get the right one, you get the right one. Nick Sirianni was a first-time head coach. Where are they right now? The number one seed in two years. Hey, Kyle Shanahan was a first-time head coach. Where are they right now? Uh, Pushing for another Super Bowl entry into the Super Bowl with a third-string quarterback. Hey, Brian Dable was a first-time head coach. How did the Giants do? They went from being... The worst team over the last five years to being in the playoffs with about the same roster. Hey, you know what? Uh, um, Kevin O'Connell was a first-time head mm-hmm. coach. They won 13 games in the regular season. So you, you could sit there and say, hey, yeah, you can look at the negatives, and there's a bunch of negatives. It's like drafting a quarterback. you got to get the right one. you got to do your due diligence and understand what what translates well when you're talking about becoming a head coach. 
and then you make sure you, if you're going to give it to somebody as a first-time head coach, you better make sure that guy's got those things. Yeah, I hear that argument. That's that's right out of it. You just tore a page right out of James Merillat's pay playbook. Well, you you, you got to pick the right one. And let me give you all these examples of first-time head coaches. Classic case of just picking the wins and avoiding the losses. Sure. And sure, you can say, hey, three of the four coaches in the championship game this weekend are first-time head coaches. Awesome. Guess how many first-time coaches are not going to be participating this weekend? Fifteen. Mm-hmm. Fifteen first-time head coaches. Eleven of them did not qualify for the playoffs. Correct. Eleven. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, you could say, well, three of the four are here. Well, yes, but half, half of the league is not here, and they're made up of first-time head coaches. That is fifteen of them. Fifteen is, did not are not here this weekend. Eleven of them didn't even make the playoffs. So just keep that in mind. Okay, right. first time head coach. Okay, but but you you do have to admit that if you get the right it, it, again, it's it's like the crapshoot of of the Hall of Fame five. You know, there's there's right now. You know, if 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 what what is you come up with like about twenty five percent of the quarterbacks that you draft in the first round pan out? Yeah, it's it's got about a seventy five to eighty percent failure failure rate. Yeah, and one, about that, one in five make it. And I think it's probably the same thing for first time head coaches. Usually in your second run, that's when you know that's when you get and it's it, it's kind of like and I don't mean to sidetrack us. It's kind of like when I hear well, there's no. Coach that's ever won a Super Bowl that's gone on to another team and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but there's a bunch of coaches like Andy Reid who didn't win a Super Bowl, went to a Super Bowl, went to the playoffs multiple times, left, and then went to another team and won a Super Bowl. Mike Shanahan, hey, didn't have success with the Raiders in his first go-around, but won two Super Bowl, back-to-back Super Bowls here as a Denver Broncos head coach. Like, there's th- There's those ones also. So, you know, it's, I mean, we can make the stats say what we want to make them say. Not only is he going to be, would he be a first-time head coach, but his coaching background right now is slim, like really slim. Right. He was the 49ers quality control coach in 2017, was their inside linebacker coach 2018 through 2020, and he's been the defensive coordinator the last two years. That's it. He's got five years of coaching experience. By comparison, Nathaniel Hackett had 20 years of coaching experience before he got this job. Five years of, of coaching experience, but he played and was a team captain and a leader. And you heard the Kyle Shanahan sound earlier. Man, right from the time he was a 21-year-old rookie to control it, it was like Al Wilson. When Al Wilson came here, Al Wilson was in, I'm the middle linebacker, I'm in control as a rookie, and there was no question who ran the defense. So, yeah, you've got to also add in 12 years of being in charge, not only in Houston, but he did it in Philadelphia as well when he went there. So I think that's, I, I think that gives you, you know, you're talking about 17 years of, of, well, 17 years, I think it was 12 years he played, but it, you're talking about minus the quality control coaches. So if it's 12, it's, it's 13, 14 years of legit running a defense, so to speak. Okay, you got to put the playing in there. The other, the other part that I think works against Ryan's is it, it, amazing how much has changed around here in a year 
if you're endorsing the idea of D'Amico Ryans, because a year ago at this time, it was all about we need an offensive guy. We have to have an offensive guy. Uh, can't have another defensive guy. That doesn't mm-hmm. work. Doesn't work in today's NFL. And again, if you want to put an onus on what's going on this weekend, all four head coaches are offensive-minded right. head coaches. Plus, look around the NFL right now. Robert Sala, who preceded D'Amico Ryans in San Francisco. Defensive coach. Hasn't been to the playoffs yet with the Jets. And what's the concern in New York, that Zach Wilson, who they spent a second-round pick on, just isn't developing. Is he being held back by a defensive coach? You've got uh, Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm. And he had to go out and scapegoat assistant coaches just to hold on to his job. And the feeling around the league is, well, Brandon Staley, a defensive-minded head coach, is holding back Justin Herbert. You've got... Even Sean McDermott, who's done nothing but win football games, now you're starting to hear grumbles that he's holding back Josh Allen. Again, a defensive coach. Even John Harbaugh, more of a special teams background, but still, you know, that kind Mm. of, certainly not an offensive guy. Uh, The argument that he doesn't recognize the true value of Lamar Jackson. And need I remind you about... Vic Fangio, mm-hmm. who couldn't be bothered to ask about what happened on the uh, field in training camp with the offense because I wasn't watching. Yeah. I. So you're, you want another defensive guy as your head coach? Well, me personally, no, I don't. But again, I, I'm again, I'm supposed to be giving you the, the counterpoint. I, I know I'm not I'm not. I am with you, especially when you have to fix a quarterback Oftentimes, a way, the, the way, and and this was repeat this, to Steve Young. Yeah, thing. this is yeah. this is the thing that Steve Young used to say all the time. That oftentimes defensive minded head coaches retard the development of quarterbacks because they always think about how am I going to protect my defense? How is my defense going to win this game for us? How is my defense? And, and so you become. Maybe in certain situations where you should be in attack mode, you become more of a defensive-minded offense. And that's was was Steve Young's biggest gripe about Rex Ryan back in the day and, and a bunch of other defensive-minded head coaches because they hurt the development of the quarterback, in his opinion. So that part, I'm, like, I can't make an argument on that. I'm, I'm 100% with you. And the fact that... You know, the fact that you've watched Kyle run the show, this would be one of my concerns. You've watched Kyle Shanahan run the show. Kyle Shanahan coaches everything. It's it's unbelievable the depth of knowledge, the global perspective that Kyle Shanahan has on the game. He coaches everything. And here would be my one. You can learn from that, and that can be who you kind of morph into, and, and that's a good thing as long as you're yourself. So that's great. But my one concern is very much the Peyton Manning slash um, DeMarcus Ware syndrome that we witnessed here. When those two left this facility, nobody was willing to take a step up and take a leadership role because nobody ever had to when they were here. There was no question who was in charge. And so now all of a sudden, you got to be that guy. Are you comfortable being that guy? Four Down Territory is coming up next. And have the Denver Nuggets become what we despise most about today's NBA. That's next.